Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. And joining me, we have Dalton Bishop. What's going on, Spence? Oh, you know, just the same. Oh, we get to talk sports, get to have some fun. We also would be remiss if we did not mention we have Christian Ernst also with us. Christian, what's going on? What's up, y'all? We got a very exciting episode in store, but before we get to, you know, some more exciting stuff with the NBA, we'll start off MLB. We've had our first no-hitter of the season this year, and it's Angels rookie Reed Detmers. He's 22 years old. He played his college ball at uh, University of Louisville, right our hometown. So I, I can't remember I saw him pitch in person in college. I definitely watched some of his games on TV. Um, you know, he was great. He was taking 10th overall back in 2020. Um, was his 11th career start. Um, you know, he only he had two strikeouts and one walk, so he didn't get many strikeouts. But you know, his pitch count was very low because I guess he's getting. I again, I thought just the ninth innings. That's all I could see on MLB Network that night. But Angels, you know, their pitching staff is getting up there. You know, they got Shohei Otani. They have Detmers. They have some potential. Uh, and last I checked, they were first in the AL West. So this could be the year the Angels go back to the playoffs, um, which would be very fun for the Angels fans. Okay, congratulations again, Reed Detmers. 11 starts in his career, and now he is throwing a no-hitter. Hopefully there's many more exciting, uh, you know, maybe another no-hitter in his career. But and he is going to be someone to watch out for. And again, like I said, early in the year, but rookie of the year for pitching, I mean, you know, just rookie of the year, it could be his because this no-hitter is something that's not incredibly rare anymore, but still, it's a great accomplishment. So he has the ultra potential the rest of his career. Uh, let's go Dalton next. Your thoughts on Reed Detmers for the LA Angels throwing a no-hitter. Uh, and I thought it was pretty awesome what happened. Um, well, there was, you know, a bunch of bunch of people who had heard about it, and they were like, "Wow, I mean, this guy, he really, really did some good work on the on the baseball field." And uh, I gotta tell you, um, seeing seeing him throw no hitter, no 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 hitter, uh, especially right now. Um, with you know pitching being so prominent and uh, um, just a lot of a lot of more, uh, how can I put this? Uh, some some good some good emphasis on good pitching. That's pretty good to see. Uh, and uh, I hope that we get more no hitters uh, throughout the season, which obviously will probably happen. It would be fun to see that, Christian. You have any uh, thoughts reactions to Reed Detmer's no hitter they threw there tonight? Um, it's awesome. You know, obviously he's, you know, he's played, um, you know, six games so far. You know, he's two and one. Obviously, Tampa Bay was huge. Um, but I mean, he, you know, he's kind of a, you know, he's an up and down kind of pitcher. Uh, you know, in in six games, six starts, he has an uh, ERA of four, twenty uh, Ks. You know, he's two and one with, you know, which is fine. Uh, it would be awesome if he won Rookie of the Year. You know, coming from U of L and you know being very close. He you know grew up in Springfield, Illinois, which is not super far from us right now. Um, but the Angels have done really well. I mean, right now they're third in the AL, right behind New York and Houston. Um, they're having a very tremendous showing. 
know, obviously a lot of people thought, you know, L.A., yes, they have two of, you know, top stars, but they can never get to the playoffs. And hopefully this year they do, and it'd be really fun to see them play and see Mike Trout in the playoffs, and can they do something in the playoffs? Um, Yankees look tough. Houston looks, you know, looks like Houston, Tampa Bay. But, you know, they had a great series, uh, you know, this past, you know, past couple of days. I mean, Yale looks pretty good at the top right now with those four teams. With, you know, Dalton's Toronto Blue Jays not far behind. Um, you know, Boston, I- I'm sorry, you know, about your boys right now, Spence. Both but back, Yeah, back to L.A. I mean, y'all already know mine. Mine's the worst team in baseball. We don't need to talk about them. Um but it looks really good right now. And, you know, with Regan a no-hitter, first no-hitter of 2022, it's awesome. Uh, and right now, he continue, you know, he continues his pace. He could manage for Rookie of the Year. I think it's just going to be tough because it doesn't usually go to pitchers a ton. But, um, you know, it's going to be quite interesting to see how he plays the rest of the season. For sure, for sure. Um, hopefully, again, when summer months hit, we'll definitely be talking more baseball when it is the most prominent sport. But I just want to get that a little, a little off our chest here. On to some hockey, where I'll take over hockey news and notes. We have, um, I believe this is, I can't remember what happened, like, which, when these games exactly happened from, like, the last time we recorded. But, uh, quick update on the standings, or the playoffs, excuse me. The Colorado Avalanche, they end up sweeping the Nashville Predators. So they're the only team right now that has advanced to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Every other series is going at least six. Uh, a couple series have been forced to game seven. Um, second out west, we have St. Louis. They are currently, as we speak, up 4 nothing on the Wild. So it looks like St. Louis is going to get win number four in, in that series to take on Colorado. Also, out West Calgary and Dallas, that series is 3-2 Calgary with uh, game six tomorrow night. Uh, then we have the Oilers and the Kings. L.A. Kings up 3-2 in the series. Curly, curly trailing in the game 2-0 in the second period. So, Houston – wow, Houston. Go back on the NFL side of things. Edmonton, excuse me, um, looking to prolong their season and force a game seven. And then um, over on the eastern side of things, we have, you know, the Florida Panthers leading the Capitals three games to two. We have earlier tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs led three to two um, before lighting scoring in the third period, lighting scoring again in overtime. The lighting of four, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, are forced to game seven against Toronto. Toronto, if you are unfamiliar they have lost, I believe it is now nine straight times that they've had a chance to end a series. They have lost. They haven't advanced in the playoffs in, I think it's 50 years. It's something ridiculous where Toronto has not won a playoff series in quite some time. Um, very unfortunate for the Maple Leafs, but that's where we're staying. Earlier today, my favorite team, the Boston Bruins, had they beat the Carolina Hurricane to tie the series at three. Um, the home team has won every series. So if it serves, it'd be Carolina taking game seven. But Boston, obviously, looking to play spoiler. It's game seven. Anything can happen in that series. And then the other series, Pittsburgh, um, the Penguins leading the Rangers three games to two. Um, 
That game also scheduled for tomorrow on Friday, May 13th. Other hockey news and notes, we have um, the Islanders, the New York Islanders, that is, had they decided to fire manager, uh, the head coach, Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz, obviously, um, for those not familiar, he was the former coach for the Capitals, won a Stanley Cup, and then resigned because he didn't like his contract. So the Islanders scooped up after he won the Stanley Cup like a week or two later. Uh, he joined the Islanders staff. He was canned. The Islanders, they were 84 points this year. Um, missed the playoffs. It wasn't very close. Uh, it was, you know, 37 wins, 35 losses, 10 overtime losses. So you do the math, there's 37-45. Not a good year by any stretch of the imagination. Um but, again, they're going to look to move on and try to get back to some glory days over in the Islander side of things. NHL had their draft lottery um, earlier this week. The Montreal Canadiens, who just last year, under the uh, the you know COVID format where they had to realign the divisions, uh, they played an all-Canadian division. They were the fourth team out of Canada. They ended up winning a couple series, making it all the way to the cup final and were the runner-ups last year. They you know fired their coach last year. Then they fired their Stanley Cup leading or uh, runner-up, I should say, coach in the middle of this year. The Canadians have no patience, it seems, right now. But um, nonetheless, they have won the uh, Stanley Cup – or not Stanley Cup. They've won the NHL draft lottery, and they will be selecting number one overall this year. NBA draft lottery, that is on uh, this upcoming Tuesday. We will talk about that on next week's episode, more than likely. But that's going to do for hockey. Again, every series except for, I said, one. You know, Colorado – they handled business in one and four. Every other series is going six, potentially seven. For some, some have gone seven, some will go seven. Um, again, this is very fun. If you're not a hockey fan, um, you're missing out on some great playoff hockey for sure. Um, anyway, on to another sport. This got to kind of segue us into racing with Dolby. We're going to leave with another race, the Kentucky Derby. Okay, we're we, we live in Louisville. We've mentioned that before. The Kentucky Derby was held at Churchill Downs. It was a very fun race. Um, you know, fast two minutes of sports, obviously, the, all the names they attached to it. And I don't even know if we discussed it last year because it's not one that I'm not the, the you know biggest horse racing fan. I think it's fun to go to the track and, you know, put some money on stuff. But this year, Rich Strike, who was not even in the race until the day before the Kentucky Derby, um, there was a horse that scratched, so Rich Strike took the position. When at the beginning of the race, it was 80 to, 80 to 1 odds. Um, and like, if you're watching the race, they never once mentioned the horse's name because there's a few horses, you know, they're going neck and neck almost the entire way. And then Rich Strike goes against the rail, passes everyone up last second. And you just hear the announcers like, and here's Rich Strike coming out based out of nowhere um, to win the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby this year. Um, the second lar- largest odds, only showing a 93-1 to horse that went off in 1913 to end up winning the Derby. Uh, also announcing that Rich Strike will not run in the Preakness, which is the second leg of the horse racing Triple Crown. Um, a little bit disappointing, but you know, it, it, it's still going to be a story. Um, we're all, at least here locally, because of where we are to the Kentucky Derby, we're all going to know about this horse. And again, if you follow horse racing, you're going to know um, this horse's name because of the unlikelihood of this event happening. 
Um, but let's go Christian next. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the race live or what. Not that your reactions to Rich Strike uh, pulling off one of the biggest upsets in horse racing. Uh, it was huge. You know, I did watch, you know, that, you know, the two greatest minutes in sports. And it was very kind of shocking. Um, Rich Strike kind of watching the replay. He wasn't in the very back, but he was in the back-ish. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who have watched horse racing in the past know pretty much it's very rare for, a, you know, a horse being a very back to at least, you know, try and place. And he was a very, very wild horse. Um, you know, hearing that he was one of the last horses to come in because he didn't want to get into the uh, pod to start the race. Uh, and, you, you know, what I've been told is you want to bet on those kind of horses. Uh, and Rich Strike was one of those horses that just did not want to go in. And he ended up winning the entire thing. So it was awesome to see. Um, I thought it was a mistake. I thought they actually said the wrong name. And I was kind of like, come on. you Like, national television, you know, even though nobody's heard of, Kentucky, like, horse racing and, you know, they're not big into it. Like, Kentucky Derby is a national broadcast. You know, maybe even worldly, maybe to some, um, but it's definitely a national broadcast that everybody is watching, um, even if they don't watch horse racing at all, aka me. But you know, it. You know, I thought it was a mistake. It turned out it was true. Um, he was a little wild towards the end. Apparently, he was biting the other horses and the uh, jockey that was on the horse. Not a jockey, but you know, the person who was riding that horse. Uh, bit them so he was a very wild horse um but it was great to see one of the greatest upsets um well not an upset but like the you know he had the biggest thought he had the biggest odds against them came out and won uh, i think it was the biggest odds since like 1913 somewhere around there or 1930s uh it was around that time and uh that, that's really huge that red strike you know made history uh, Dalton, your thoughts on the Kentucky Derby this year? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reiterate what both of you all have already said. Um, I was watching it and I actually had I actually put a, a bet on a horse that morning. Well, it was like a little pot at my work, and uh, I put a dollar down and I drew and. My horse was Charge It, which ended up being one of the worst horses in the actual derby. Uh, such my luck. But um, one of my coworkers, Rich Strike, and uh, safe to say he won a lot of money that night. Um, he won a lot of money, both at work and outside of work. So congrats to him. But uh, I was watching that, and I was like, Wow. What a guy. I mean, what a horse. Just absolutely the straightaway, man. I mean, you could see you could see him speed up. You could see the acceleration. Just absolutely moving past, zooming in and out of like just like a, like a car in traffic, a rush hour traffic, just moving in and out, man. And, I mean, that was phenomenal to see. Um, I was a little bit disappointed uh, that all the hype was around the jockey. I was like, what happened to the horse? Can we not see the horse? I could I could have used a little bit more TV time on the horse, but that's okay, you know. But maybe 
maybe for next year's Kentucky Derby, they'll they'll do like the same amount of TV time for the jockey and the horse. Because after all, they are a team. So, I mean, why? I mean, it's 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 got it's got to be even. And it's, I get it. I get it. Horses don't talk. They just go nay. But still, okay, jockey's not winning that without the horse and vice versa. All right, it's a team. It's a team sport. I don't want to hear it. Um, but I think it's great. I think it's great. Uh, I think I think that we should have more more uh, Kentucky Derby upsets. Um. Just screw the favorites at this point. Um, it makes it makes it makes horse racing more fun. Uh, yeah, there, was and, a, there was definitely a stretch where the favorite was winning every single race, and it was cap. It was a little boring, predictable as hell. Exactly, and uh, I think yeah. I mean, if this is going to be the start of something new, where we just get a bunch of uh, a bunch of people coming out of nowhere, a bunch of horses, excuse me, coming out of nowhere. Uh, and uh, winning these high-profile races, then I'm here for it. Let's make it happen, baby. But, um, yeah, I love it. All right. Um, now on to some actual racing that Dalton knows a little bit more about because he follows pretty closely. Uh, the racing with Dalton, same where Dalton will talk NASCAR, Formula One, uh, whatever else you want to talk about, truck series. It's up to you. It's your segment, man. I just give you a time frame, so... I'll stop um, yapping and let you take over. Ah, thanks, bud. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, start with – wow, that was an awful shot. Okay, um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and start with um, NASCAR. Um, so the this past race uh, – well, the most recent race was in Darlington. Um and well, to start off, how they do it, like the starting grid, Joey Logano was positioned first for the grid, and then Larson, and then Bell, Truex Jr. was fourth, and my guy Kyle Busch was fifth. Um, and that's just how they start the race. Um, going to the race results, uh, which actually had some controversy towards the end, um, but it's 293 laps. Um, Joey Logano uh, was was actually leading the the most laps um, with a hundred and seven. Not sure if you guys can still hear me perfectly, but we'll see. Um, and then, I mean, they were they were saying how it's kind of a tricky track. Like, is you can you can slide and you know. Like, your tires, they're really going to have to be good or you're really going to have to be a good driver to stay on. Um, and uh, some people did not finish. Some drivers just did not finish. Uh, my personal favorite, Kyle Busch being one of them. Um, Kyle Larson didn't finish. Brad Kozlowski didn't finish. Um, let's see, Martin Truex didn't finish. Bubba Wallace didn't finish. Cole Custer didn't finish. Alex Bowman. Uh, there's a bunch of people that did not finish. Uh, there actually there was only there was only twenty twenty racers that did a full two ninety three, uh, which if you don't know there's thirty six total. So that just puts it into perspective of how how like tough of a of a track this actually was. Um, but basically, like if we're just gonna go through the results here, Joey Logano came in first, Tyler Reddick came in second. 
Justin Haley in third, Kevin Harvick in fourth, and Chase Elliott in fifth. Um, some other notables, um, William Byron, who I talked about last week in the extension with Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, and I'm going to mention his name because this at the towards the end of the race when they were coming around, the, I think it was the final turn, see – Byron was in front, and then Joey Logano was right behind. But before that last lap, like way earlier in the race, um, Byron had bumped Logano right, and it's they call it it's like a like an overtake or like a like a bump and run almost. Um, he hit him in the back, and then swerved around to the front. Well, Logano thought that was kind of how should we put it douchey um and so he thought he, he kept that in the back of his head and what do you know so we got the 24 cart in front 22 in the back that's Joey Logano's cart so Byron Logano they're coming around the final turn and Logano's like on his tail right and so Logano gives him a push he push 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 and he bumps him and, and, and like on purpose, it seems like. Well, that's what most people are conspiracy or are actually trying to are, are thinking that he's are thinking that he did it. He 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 bumps him on purpose. Byron swerves right into the wall, and then and then uh, Joey finishes finishes the race in first, and that and that took some controversy. Uh, that got some controversy right away because, you know, that seems like a dirty move to do, especially on the track. And so, um, but a win is a win, and uh, Logano won. Um, William Byron uh, did not. Um, so that's that's pretty much what happened there. Uh, let's let's see what else happened this past uh, weekend. Let's see May fourth, uh, we got some people who were selected to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Matt Kenseth. Uh, who was actually, I mean, if we if you paid the slightest bit of attention to NASCAR when we were kids, Matt Kenseth was racing. Um, that's the only one that I could tell or knew of. Herschel McGriff and crew chief Kurt Shelmerdine, um, all in the Hall of Fame. Um, Matt Kenseth, 50 years old, drove... Um, Close to 20 seasons on the NASCAR circuit before retiring in 2020. He had 39 cup, very, uh, cup, uh, cup wins excuse me, and 20 poles. Uh, he's 21st on the career victory list with 39. Um, McGriff won his first race in the 1950 Southern 500 in the NASCAR Cup Series second season at the age of 22. His final NASCAR race was at Tuscan Speedway in 2018 at the age of 90. Um, he had the longest driving career ever in NASCAR. Um, he started he started a total of 85 races in parts of 28 Cup Series seasons, capturing four wins. All of the all of those coming in 1954. Uh, he's one of the best drivers in what is known as the MRCA Menards Series West, competing in parts of 35 seasons. McGriff won 37 races, third on the all-time on the West Series list. Uh, his signature year came in 1986 when he won the series title. Um, McGriff beat out the 87-year-old A.J. Foote, 
who made 128 Cup Series starts over 30 years, winning seven races and finishing the top 10 36 times. 64-year-old uh, Shomardine worked as a crew chief from 1977 to 1992, or excuse, yeah, 1977 to 1992, and won 46 races with 15 poles and held Dale Earnhardt capture four Cup Series championships in 86, 87, 90, 91. Over a 16-year career, crew chief, crew chief career uh, with Earnhardt, Ricky Rudd, James Hilton, and Richard Childress, he won 46 races and posted 10 top, top Top 10 finishes in more than half his starts. Uh, Sheldon was in shock when he got in, thought it would be a few more years before it happened. Uh, so obviously, as what I could, I mean, as I just listed all those stats, uh, if you like know the slightest bit about what racing is all about, you can tell that these guys are much deserving of getting in and congrats to them. Uh, let's go to the standings real quick before we move on to Formula One. So, even with this past weekend happening and uh, this race, uh, Will Byron is still in first with 388 points, two wins, four top fives, and four top tens. Ross Chastain is in second with 364 points, two wins, seven top fives, and seven top tens. Chase Elliott is in third with 453 with one win, one pole, three top fives, and nine top tens. Joey Logano in fourth with 374, one win, one pole, four top fives, and six top tens. Kyle Busch in fifth with 364, um, one win, three top fives, and uh, eight top tens. Um, and that is it for the standings. Um, this upcoming race, or the next one, um, May 15th, they're going to Kansas, um, three o'clock. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what will happen there. Um, should be nice, should be fun. And I look forward to sitting down and watching it. Uh, maybe this weekend I can actually watch a race and I won't have to worry about finals, which will be nice. Um, moving on, let's go to F1. Um, uh, some news. So, F one put out a thing about um not having jewelry in while you're in the car or in the vehicle. Um, obviously, some drivers had something to say about that. Uh, such as Lewis Hamilton, who's an eight-time F1 champ. And he took it. Uh, he did not back down from it. And he got a two-race jewelry exemption. Uh, so, good for him. Um, some other news. Uh, we're talking about Vegas. Vegas, baby. Uh, the F1 owners Liberty Media to buy Las Vegas land for $250 million. $240 million, excuse me. Formula One's commercial rights holders, Liberty, are buying a plot of land in Las Vegas for $250 million to locate the pit and paddock complex for Grand Prix next year. So as you can see, they're trying to expand to different cities. Uh, as you know, Formula One is a worldwide sport, so um, they're trying to expand to different cities, and why not expand to Las Vegas, um, where you can attract a lot more revenue. So I think that's very, very good, very, very smart. Um, some other news. Um, actually, 
I think that's all the news I have for that one. Let's go ahead and go to the calendar and the results of what happened uh, at this last Grand Prix that we just had uh, in Miami. So if you don't know last week, if you didn't listen to last week's pod, uh, the mad um, uh, it was in Miami. Uh, it was a good race, I figure. Um, the Crypto.com Miami Grand Prix. And Max Verstappen came out and won that buddy. He won that puppy. And what a response. I mean, you talk about Charles Leclerc winning the first race in Bahan. Max Verstappen. Winning uh, Saudi Arabia. And then Leclerc again uh, in Melbourne. And then Verstappen. Um, and then Verstappen again. Okay, so you can see the champ is starting to get a groove. He's starting to get a groove, win some races. So is he gonna is he gonna is he gonna three peat this weekend or the twentieth, whenever it is, the twenty second in Barcelona? Is he gonna do it? I guess we'll find out. Um, it's at nine a.m. for those of you listening. Um. And I am expecting Max Verstappen to win, although I wouldn't put it past Charles Leclerc to get some revenge. You know what I mean? And um, who knows, man? Who knows what's going to happen? You can never tell because the race is it's it's all sorts of twists and turns and anything can happen. You know, it's not just it's not just left turns. It's more than that. It's Formula One. Anyway, let's go to the standings real quick. Charles Leclerc with 104 points. Max Verstappen up to 85. Let's see. And uh, this is after not getting points in the first or the third race. What a guy. Sergio Perez with 66. George Russell in 59 with, with uh, 59 points. Carlos Sainz with 53. And that rounds out the top five. Going to the... Dist- the uh, constructor standings Ferrari with 157 points seemed like far and away the best team team this year. I didn't say racer, just team. Uh, but Red Bull is making some movement. They're getting close. They have 151 points. And I figure if Max Verstappen wins the race this weekend, we could see some change in the constructor standings. Mercedes with 95 points. McLaren with 46 and Alfa Romeo with 31 that rounds out your to your, your top five there. Um, ah, screw it. I guess we can talk about um, um. I'm blanking. I guess we can talk about the truck series, um, real quick. Just let me find it. I'm very very. Um, that's the word I'm looking for. I don't know what I'm looking for. Uh, where are you, Truck Series? Where are you? He's here somewhere, I figure. Eh, find it on. Well, I, get, I think Dolan's having some technical difficulties here, and uh, obviously he's not finding the Truck Series anytime soon. So we're just going to, this is a good time to take a quick ad break. We'll regroup and compose ourselves, and we'll be back with some more NBA news and notes. 
And we're back from the ad break. I think we've got all the uh, you know tech issues settled, and we will resume. We got some lot of NBA news and notes. Uh, a couple of wars I'll get off uh, first. Nikola Jokic, he uh, for the second straight year has won MVP, edging out Joel Embiid. Embiid has now finished second place the last two years. So those two guys, it, it sucks because the way the voting is. You can vote for them for either position on like the all NBA ballots, center or forward. Um, but you can only be awarded to the position you have the most votes for. So even if they both had, you know, the top two votes, um, because someone split center and forward, they couldn't both be on the same spot, depending on how you voted on your ballot. Um, so one of them is probably gonna be first team all NBA, others gonna be second team all NBA, just the way that works. But Jokic, uh, if you watch the Nuggets all this year. You would know he was the only guy on that team. Um, injuries, you know, Jamal Murray got injured last year, didn't play this year. Michael Porter Jr. has been injured since college. Um, so he kind of had to do it all for Denver. So, again, it, you couldn't have gone wrong with, it with him or Joel Embiid. Um, this one, another award, seemed a bit like a um, – I don't want to say makeup for last year because, again, last year, if you remember Coach of the Year – Went to Tom Thibodeau for the New York Knicks. Monty Williams had a strong case. Um, it just, you know, didn't go to him. And in a way, they kind of feel like, you know, not one, I don't want to say retroactively because Monty still had a hell of a year this year. Um, you know, Suns continued a dominant season, finished first place, franchise record of wins. Um, okay, Taylor Jenkins for Memphis would have been a tremendous case too. Had he won, you couldn't go wrong there, in my opinion. Bit Monty's one, so Monty Williams, congratulations on him being coach of the year. Jokic going back to back. This is the now NFL and NBA have now seen back to back MVPs. Um, pretty cool on that front. Um, playoff update, everyone's favorite. Um, earlier today, Christian, I'll start with you. Your Miami Heat became the advance to the conference finals. You predicted Heat in six before the series started. I had Heat in five. Uh, Dalton. 76 and six was his prediction. But Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, your Miami Heat, congratulations on making the conference finals. Uh, your thoughts on the series with Philadelphia as a whole? Um, and man, it was stressful. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was really <laughs> stressful. Um, as Dalton, you know, as we've talked uh, privately, you know, you guys have your jokes with me about uh, <laughs> my pessimism with uh, not believing in my boys. Just because Kyle Lowry's been out for pretty much his entire series. Um, you know, and just the inconsistencies off the bench from everybody just kind of worries me. Uh, tonight, we played okay off the bench. Uh, Tyler is the only one who scored double digits going off the bench. But Jimmy played his game, Bam played his, and we got the win tonight. Um, overall, I, I thought a couple of things. One, we we are a tough team. We're we're pretty much the opposite of the Brooklyn Nets. I feel like we have great chemistry. We have this attitude that we're not gonna we don't want to get beat. Like we want to win. Where in Brooklyn, it kind of seems like we have the talent. We just don't have the chemistry at all. Nor do we want to play. Um, that's you know that's metaphorically for the point guard. That is I. You know, that's what it is for a power forward, Ben Simmons. He, you know, I, I'm a big advocate for mental health at the exact same time. You know, when you say you have these issues, but yet you want to sue 
and you have like lawsuits against Philadelphia and Brooklyn from withholding money. You didn't play. You didn't earn your pay because you played and everything. You know, that whole issue. Um, and Kevin Durant looked like he was the only guy, but he kind of threw in the towel, uh, I feel like, halfway through game four, you know, against Spencer's Celtics. But Miami, were a tough team. You know, I think it's a tough team. Uh, Jimmy Butler is not – you know, I don't think a lot of people say Jimmy Butler is the best player in the NBA. Um People may disagree that he may not be the best player on Miami Heat. Personally, I do think he is. Him and Bam are 1A, 1B. Um, But Jimmy is definitely – like the type of character that Jimmy Butler is, um, you put that in anybody, you're dead. Like he is – he is probably the closest thing to Kobe Bryant in terms of toughness, in terms of mentality. Um, He he is seriously right under Kobe in terms – of toughness in today's NBA, in my opinion. Um, but you, when you watch that series, like, of course, game three was not ideal, and game four was kind of iffy. But, um, you know, this was definitely a really good series for Miami. Uh, it's going to be very tough, I feel like. Now, Milwaukee and Boston are currently killing each other, um, and it possibly could get into a game seven. And Spencer's hopes it gets to a game seven. Um, and I think we'll have a decent chance, but I'm really hoping it's not Milwaukee and it's the exact same thing as last year and it's a sweep. I would really hate that. Um, but what, whatever happens, I'm so proud of Miami. Um, you know, it, usually, it does take a while for a team to get back on track after LeBron. Uh, has left. And, you know, we went to four straight Eastern Conference Finals, missed five, and then in the last two years, uh, the last three years, excuse me, went to it twice. Uh, won Eastern Conference in 2020. Uh, the bubble, which you can kind of count, you can kind of not. Um, 2021, obviously, last year we got swept, and now we're back in the Eastern Conference Finals, which is awesome. Uh, I, I would hope we get to the finals. I would really, I would really enjoy that. I would love that. Um, I just I think it's going to be very tough just because I think from talent perspective, like Miami is kind of undermatched between like whoever's in the lead. And right, right, right now, the Mavs won game six. Uh, that game just went final. So, you know, I think the Mavs is the only team where I'm like, besides Luka Doncic, you know, against Jimmy. I think we match up pretty well against everybody. I think we're better than uh, – I think our starting lineup is better than theirs. Besides, like I said, take Luka out of it and say take Jimmy out of it. I think we, you know, have a fine series. Um, but Golden State, I feel like it's going to be tough. You know, Memphis somehow comes back. You know, Memphis looks like, you know, a tough – it looks like a good team without John Morant. Phoenix is obviously Phoenix. Um, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, very good one-two punch, uh, you know, besides the last two games. Then you have Milwaukee, Milwaukee. You got Boston, who's great defense, defense. Um, Miami, Miami's going to take on one challenge. It doesn't get easier than this. And my last thing to say, you know, it's about the 76ers. Um, 
Joel Embiid and James Harden, they're both they're both very talented players. They're both guys that um, deserve a lot of credit, you know, Hall of Famers for sure. But watching them tonight, James Harden, like everyone wants to say he's a superstar. My definition of a superstar is he's a very talented player, and he like he comes during the crunch time. He didn't come in the crunch time when he played in Houston. He didn't come when he played in Brooklyn. He's he didn't come when he was in Philadelphia. You know, he he's a very talented player, Hall of Famer, like I said. I mean, this guy can't lead you into a team, especially now. He's gonna be thirty three, I think, in the beginning of next season. He's not and he didn't take care of his body the last two years. He was like forty pounds overweight. You know, so he obviously does not take care of his body like LeBron and other older players when they you know, when they can't really focus on their athleticism. They have to treat their bodies right in order to play at a high level. James has not done that. Uh, Joel, he I still consider him a superstar. He like when he came back, Philadelphia felt that vibe. So I consider him still a superstar. I feel like with the right talent, he could make this team, you know, a better team. But when James Harden only takes two shots in the second half. He he just pretty much disappeared. He disappeared besides Game Three. He like he was not there really the entire series. He only scored twenty above twenty, I think twice. Like he he just was not there. He you know he just disappears because when Joel Embiid was out Game One and Two, everybody was talking. No one was talking about Maxi. Nobody was talking about Tobias. Nobody was talking about uh, Shaq Milton. They were all talking about James Harden. James Harden, he is a star. He's got to carry this team. What did he not do in really any of these games besides game three? Carry the daggum team. Make the team his. Houston, with one of the best point guards in NBA history, couldn't get the job done. You play in Brooklyn. You play with two other Hall of Famers. I, like I said, I've already mentioned my issues with KD and Kyrie being interesting. That obviously did not work, and that ship looks like it's going to sail. James Harden, very talented player, not a superstar in terms of give him the franchise, he'll make it work. Pretty much it's if you give him the franchise, he'll disappear in April. April, May, he'll disappear. So he's only been to the finals once, and that was when he was a sixth man. That's when he, you know, he was – had a beard, but it wasn't the beard. And really, it was a bunch of young guys nobody thought, you know, everyone was kind of shocked about. And that Western Conference was not that good either. But, like, and that was Oklahoma City. Not, I got to give respect to my boy Dalton's team. But that's not the James Harden we knew today. That wasn't the Westbrook we knew today. Heck, KD was, you know, the he was really good in 2012. But, I mean, he's not the same KD today. So, for the last decade, we've kind of put the superstar title. I think you kind of take – you got to take the superstar title off and just say very talented player. Once it comes to the end of the season, after game 82, bye-bye. That's pretty much what he is. He, he'll disappear and he'll be the Simpsons me when Homer goes back in the bush. That's what James Harden is. So – very talented player, of course. It would be cool if we he was on our team, but in April, come off the bench. <laughs> that's that's what I would put him if he was on our team, honestly. But I'm happy for Miami. 
Uh, God bless us in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's going to be tough no matter who comes out. Milwaukee wins uh, tomorrow night or either team wins Sunday. It's just going to be a struggle fest uh, against these teams. So, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. It kind of reminds me of like 2020 where it's like we thought, I mean, again, it was more evenly matched. At least, again, my perspective being a Boston homer to some degree was that Boston would win that series. And they just, fact of the matter was they got beat up by Toronto in the semifinals. It just, it just happened. Like, again, encouraged Miami because they also outplayed Boston that whole series. Boston was also beat up to a degree. And it, it showed. Um, not taking anything away. That's just what happened. Uh, Dolan, your thoughts on Miami. I'm sure you... Um, you just have bad luck picking series, it seems, when you try to go different than us. Um, so how about that? Uh, your thoughts on the Heat Sixers series? My thoughts on picking different. You know, I'm not sure. Um, my thoughts on the Heat 76ers series. Um, the Heat seem like the better team. Um, Um, I am an idiot for thinking that Joel Embiid and the 76ers would reel off four straight after going down 2-0. Um, let's see. Joel Embiid, uh, it's, I was watching it today and I was like, do they pass the ball? to each other at all like do they just you know maybe like I don't know just like play better basketball than they have or than they did um yeah I don't know I I'm just at a loss for words. I actually can't really like pick series games very well, as you can probably tell. And so I'm just sitting here like, wow, okay, so I'm just gonna have to pick the heat now, which probably may or may not happen, but um seventy sixers, man. Seventy sixers are ridiculous. I thought, I mean, I like Doc Rivers as head coach, but, and obviously I like Eric Spolstra, but, um, man, oh man. I mean, this was ridiculous. Ridiculous to see. Um, good for you, Christian. Good for you. Appreciate um, it. Making it to the conference finals. Love to see it. And, um, happy for you. And,. Uh, I'm convinced that the 76ers, instead of being selfless and passing the ball and using that brotherly love like their city, they hold on to the ball and they ball hog it. Um, you can't win with Joel Embiid. I'm going to throw it out there now. Just so that somebody else can grab out, just grab onto it later. You can't win with Joel. Can't win with Joel. 
Jimmy Butler's been to two conference finals in the past three seasons. Say what you want. You can win with Jimmy Butler, but you can't win with Joel Embiid. Gosh. Remind me to never believe in the 76ers ever again. So let's see, this is why I watch this is why I cheer for a Western Conference team. I mean, obviously you can tell I cheer for a Western Conference team because I don't pay attention to the Eastern Conference at all. Um man, that stinks. But man, also I can't help but think like what if Jokic was on that team? You know, I, mean, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy right now. I mean, I think they would have taken the Heat to seven games at least. I mean, sheesh, man. You got a bunch of good players on that team. And nah, nah. There were plenty of times I saw Joel just take it upon himself to try to be the hero. In basketball, you can't play hero ball. You can't do it. Okay, you can't do it. There's been presidents. Many, 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 many times of people trying to play hero ball and it hasn't worked. Okay. And now on the flip side, there's been precedents of people playing hero ball and it's worked. But that's, you know, all time stuff right there. That's all time players. That's Jordan. That's Kobe. That's LeBron. Like those. Come on. Let's be real here. 76ers don't have a Kobe or a Jordan or a LeBron on their roster. So. You know, uh, pretty, pretty great. No, I like it. Um, what a whiff. Jeez. Can you imagine getting, getting like the number of games right for all the series, but not the correct winner? Totally me. Gosh. But I think the Heat just outplayed him completely. I think the Heat just, you know, from the, from the, from the series jump, Christian won't believe this, but. I think the Heat outplayed them. Um, well, obviously. And, yeah. Um, and uh, you need to believe in your team more. Just a little bit more. Well, Just I, a little well, bit more. My, my thing was this. Uh, from a talent perspective, full health, Philadelphia should win. Right? They have a better center. They have a better shooting guard. They got a better bench. They got a better point guard at times. That like they're starting lineup against stars, personally, Philadelphia would smack them. But Joel Embiid, he's you know he was hurt. He got smacked in the head after the end of uh, beginning of game five, which really knocked him kind of loopy, and he didn't really do anything since. James Harden disappeared. Uh, Doc Rivers, I'm sorry, like this dude is the most overhyped coach because hot like besides. Boston, what have you really done? Clippers, Blake Griffin in his prime was pretty daggum good. DeAndre Jordan was pretty daggum good. Chris Paul is still pretty daggum good. And yet, and yet, you really haven't shown nothing for it besides the 08 Boston Celtics. Like, I'm confident that you all can do it. I believe the hype. Now I've actually seen it, like, for my own eyes. You know, Joel and B, I'll disagree. I think Joel still could, but he he was hurt. He was out for two games, which really set him back. And then he got whacked in the beginning of game five. So, you know, I think Philadelphia could have had a better shot if Joel was not hurt, if Harden just didn't flat out disappear, 
you know, on both sides of the floor. Philadelphia could have won that series. They shut themselves in the foot because they were hurt and just the inconsistencies from their play. All right. On to the next series. This also another game. This game just went final, like Christian kind of mentioned a while back. Uh, the Mavericks have forced a game seven um, in that series. Phoenix, Dallas. Um, it's been an interesting series. And uh, credit to Shane Young, because he kind of mentioned this. Um, you know, both each game has been really one sided. Um, again, you watch one game. The Suns about to a thirty point lead. You watch another game. The Mavs about to a thirty point lead. Um, like I said, you watch, look at the game log. Like for, again, sure, the first game was a seven point win for the Mavericks. Game three was a nine point win for. Excuse me. Game one was a Suns win. Game three was a nine point win by the Mavericks. Um, but they, these last two games have been pretty one sided. Um, here's a, a little betting tip given recent trends. And again, maybe I'm wrong here. Um. Who knows? I probably will be. But if you pay attention, game sevens tend to be um, the under tends to hit because both teams are going all out defensively. So if you're a gambling person and you're interested, take the under. If you lose money, well, you probably shouldn't have bet as much money as you did. Um, call 1-800-GAMBLER or any other gambling store um, companies out there that deal with gambling addiction. But anyway... Bet the other for game seven. I think that's going to hit. Um, who knows? It's back in Phoenix for a game seven. But I, I would, I'd be scared to play Luka if I'm Phoenix. You got Luka Dodge. You can go up for 40 any night. You got Brunson, who's very good. But on the flip side, you know, you're the Suns. You have CP3. You have Devin Booker. You have Aiden, who's the one overall pick a few years ago. You have Jay Crowder, who's one of my favorite NBA players in the league. Partially because of his time in Boston. In fact, it's all because of his time in Boston. Um, so that should be a very fun game. Um, oh, let's go around and pick that game, too. Uh, give your thoughts, then your pick. Uh, I, I said Suns in five. I'm not going to pick against the Suns. I'm going to stick with the Suns uh, winning this series. Dalton, you had Mavs in seven from the beginning. Um, are you going to stick with the Mavs? You're going to hedge in um, this makeshift going into game seven here. Um, also, your thoughts on the series so far. I'm not hedging my bet. I'm taking the Mavs to win in seven games. Let's go. Luka, legend, win the game, win game seven. Okay, send – actually, the Suns will already be home. So, just send them back to the locker room, man. Send the, send, send them back to the locker room. I hope the Suns lose. Okay, I just want them, I just want the Mavs to win. I just want to get one series right. I don't care which one it is. I just want to get this one right. But – um. My thoughts, uh, it's been more of just what you would think, you know, home team winning, you know, just, ah, I mean, I mean, are we shocked? No, we shouldn't be. I mean, it's two good teams going at it, seven games, and, you know, the home team, they, they, they feed off the home crowd, and they win. I mean, it's just, that's, that's just how it's been going so far, and I'm not shocked, like I said, and I think, I think that I gotta, I gotta go with Luka Legend, Luka Doncic, and I think if Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith, they both have good games from the three-point range, I can th- I think it can get out of hand very, very quickly, man. Uh, but the Suns have got to stop uh, turning the ball over. They turned the ball over a lot tonight. I'm talking like 10-plus times. And 
um, that proved to be their Achilles heel. Obviously, listen, if you turn the ball over a lot and the other team doesn't, what's going to happen? You're probably going to lose by a lot. So, um, it's just what happens. And But no, I'm not going to hedge my bet. Normally, I'd do that. But under this circumstance, I'm not. So, go Mavs. All right. All right, Christian, your thoughts on um, the Suns and the Mavericks series so far? Um, it's been very interesting. Obviously, you know, the home team has won uh, every one of these games, you know, and it, it, it's just kind of a shock to me. Like, th- we've all kind of had these series before. Um, personally, I thought this would be the same series with my Heat and 76ers. I was expecting – Philly to win tonight. Um, sadly, they did not. Woohoo. But this is going to go in game seven. So I think if you're a better um, and just see how the series goes, Phoenix should be favored, I think, in this game because it's, you know, it's in Phoenix. They are the number one seed. But Chris Paul, man, I mean, I don't know what it's about, but this series, he has not been good at all. Um, he has not scored over. No, excuse me. He hasn't scored over 20 points since his, you know, since their uh, second to last win, you know, when he played in game, what would that game be? I think that would be game four. Am I right? No, game two. Excuse me. Game two. He has not scored above really 15 points. Scored 12 and five in the games at Dallas. Scored seven in the win at home. And then scored 13 a night. But just listen to the turnovers, man. We, we always talk about this. He's one of these guys that just does not turn over the ball. He didn't, you know, he only turned over three times in his, uh, in game two, which, you know, a couple turnovers, it happens. Turned over the ball more than he actually scored in game three. Or, excuse me, in game um, four, where he only scored Five points, but he had six turnovers. What? Nope. Two turnovers, excuse me. I don't know why this is wrong. Anyway, uh, he's had seven turnovers in the game three loss. He had, you know, two in game four. And he's and he had nine in the past two games. So Chris Paul has not been really the same guy of like, oh, Chris Paul, he doesn't turn over the basketball. Well, he does a lot. And that's what's hurting Phoenix a ton. And Luka Doncic has really had to carry this team these last several games. Tonight, tonight he had to drop 33. But you can't trust Brunson to, you know, score as much as he did. He scored 18. Reggie scored 19. Then where he came off the bench and scored 15. But you can't really trust him that much. I mean, Luka shot the ball 26 times, shot eight threes. Only made 11 overall. Like, he's had to be the guy to make Dallas advance. And to me, it's it's going to wear Luka down. It's going to wear him down to where he can't be the only guy. And that is just what Dallas is right now with their franchise. And Mark Cuban, he's got to do something. He's got to get somebody with Luka. They tried to present your stuff, didn't really work. And now you got to try and find somebody that wants to play with Luca. So, because I because I do not have confidence that if Dallas wins 
uh, you know, Saturday or Sunday whenever they do play, they're they're gonna, I think, get whooped because Luka's gonna be so tired. Another four game series at least, and trying to push this team to make it better against Golden State. I don't think they have a shot. Memphis, you know, maybe, but still, like. Dallas is trying to go through Western Conference Finals, and unless Luka just goes God mode, he's, you know, they're going to end up just being in the Western Conference Finals, in my opinion, not go any further. But I'm still, I still trust Phoenix. I'm still going to go with my original pick. Actually, no, I went the Mavs. I went Mavs in six. That's six. Yeah, well, well then I'm going to go the Mavs. Uh, I'm gonna stick with my pick. <laughs> if I was the Suns, like I was gonna be a man of integrity, Dalton. I'm a man. Of <laughs> what I decide as my pick, I'm going to die with my pick. I'm gonna die on that hill. So now, let's actually put this conversation. I'm gonna go Dallas because I think Luke McCann's gonna got to Um, yeah. So, I, well, after saying that, I felt you know like. I was going to go Suns there, and I thought I was. But I'm wrong. I picked Dallas in six. So I'm going to try and get some two extra points on our little scoreboard. And I'm going to go Dallas because, yeah, <laughs> now after I've seen that, uh, I'm going to go Dallas. Go Mavs. Yeah, you're just going to screw me over because I picked the Suns here if that happens. Uh, Christian's already get the bonus points because it's Heat and six. So we got um, – He's gotten four points from that. Um, looking to get six. Dolan will get four points for this series if it is Mavs and seven. Um, at least Dolan's right with seven games. Let's stay out west here. Warriors and Grizzlies here. Um, Golden State, it seemed pretty, I don't say lopsided, um, especially if you watched last, uh, last game for that series where Memphis dominated. They led by almost, I think they actually did lead by 50 at one point. Uh, but Dolls said four, said five. I said Warriors and six, which if they can win game six, they would uh, give me the bonus points that I desperately want to have. Um, yeah. Memphis is a great team. They've done well, especially without John Morant playing. Um, um, should they win game seven of that series would be on Monday, the 16th. Um, but uh, should Memphis win, that is. Um, but if Golden State wins, they will advance to the Western Conference Finals again. They haven't been there since, you know, the Dynasty Warriors from 2015 to 2019. They five straight NBA Finals. They haven't been in the playoffs since then. That would be something if they make it back to the playoffs, make it back to the Western Conference Finals. Like, they had never left, essentially. Um, again, I, I love Memphis. They've done a great job this series. Um uh, it, the fact of the matter is, Golden State's experience and whether even though Clay's not the same Clay of old, uh, you just I, I can't pick against the Warriors in good faith. Uh, I might have to win next round. Next round to evaluate when he gets there. But this Warriors team, they're on a new level. And um, again, sure, it was a bad game last time. And I don't know what Josh's status is for game six, but um, even if he is or isn't playing, I think Golden State is going to close it out in six. Uh, Christian, let's go to you next. Warriors Grizzlies, your thoughts on this series so far? Um, it's always interesting when your star of the team he gets hurt and he's out. Your team plays better. Um, 
I never thought I would see that. Because, like, if LeBron goes out from the Lakers, I don't think the Lakers are better. Like I said about the Mavericks, if Luka's gone, Mavs are not even a play-in. Like, I don't think they're even a play-in. And then you got some other players where it's like, John Morant, he's been out for the last, like, two, you know, a game and a half because he got hurt in game four. Um, you know, he's out for a little bit. And Memphis just, I don't know, casually just destroyed Golden State without a thought. Uh, they won 134 to 95. What the heck happened there? <laughs> like, I, I was completely shocked by it. You know, I, I really am. Like, Memphis should not be able to beat them, let alone absolutely kill them, right? I, I was very shocked by it. But I kind of thought this in my mind. Golden State has always done this the last several years. If they're in a tight series and they have to go into a game five and, like, set, you know, because they, they weren't always number one seed. But, like, if they're just casually just winning these series, they go to game five in, you know, in other territory, they lose, or they don't really put up a fight, they go in the next game and they absolutely kill them. So that's where I'm going to go with here. I'm going to go Golden State in six. I think Golden State wins tomorrow night. Blowout, maybe not. But I think I think they win by close to double digits. Um, go, like Golden State has just done this cat and mouse game where it's like, I, we'll give you false confidence. We're not going to beat you in your hometown and us celebrate and show how dominant we are. No, we're just going to we're going to take a step back and see what you do. You had urgency to play. Memphis did. They wanted to keep the series going. I think Golden State wins tomorrow night. So, you know, the Golden State Warriors are going to win in six, and they will play, in my opinion, the Dallas Mavericks, and that series will happen, I think, Wednesday. Wednesday is when it starts. I will say this. If it goes to game seven and they're in Memphis, uh, I'm not going to see a guarantee. I'm not going to guarantee one way or another. I think if it's a game seven, it's – Infinitely a lot closer. Uh, Grant is going to play in the a game seven. I'd imagine he would because it's be a game seven from the Memphis crowd. Nonetheless, uh, that be that environment would be rocking to say the least. There, uh, Dalton, your thoughts, Warriors Grizzlies so far. Uh, Warriors Grizz. Uh, I thought. Well, I think. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, they couldn't win in four, could they? No, no, they couldn't win in four. Because who the heck would want to win in four games? That's not any fun. No fun advancing the conference. Um, you know, no fun sweeping another team. No, no, let's not do that. Let's not play good enough basketball where we can just win in four or five games. I don't think so. No, no, instead we got six or seven games. Particularly fantastic. Um. But uh, oh man, I don't. I mean, I think what you're seeing is a tough Memphis Grizzlies team not backing down from a veteran Warriors team that has been to the finals many times, won a few championships, and has been there before. Uh, 
and obviously without John Morant, they they feel like they being the Grizzlies feel like that they can literally play with play with like it, it, like like any team in the NBA. Um, and, and um, you got to give them credit. You got to give them credit for fighting and keep it going. Uh, but I'm gonna take the Warriors to win in six or seven games. Uh, I I I have period. So, gotcha. Uh, on to the final series, the series I've been kind of you know putting off because I do not want to talk about. Um, Bruno. No, I'm kidding. But it's I don't want to talk about how Game Six ended, especially. Uh, but Celtics Bucks has been a fun series. Both teams really beating each other up. It seems. Uh, but you've had some exciting games. You had, you know, Milwaukee leading close games, um, only for Boston to come storming back. Uh, sometimes Boston would take the lead. Sometimes it'd just be Milwaukee holding on by the thread as they did in game three. Uh, a fascinating thing with this series is it's gone literally every other team. Uh, like they've alternated games. Like Milwaukee took game one, Boston took two. So Boston's taking all the even games, Milwaukee's all the odd games. Uh, hopefully that trend holds up at least one more time for game six where Boston would win, but then also obviously one game seven to flip back the other way. And I feel like if it gets back to a garden environment in game seven, uh, while I do not want to face Giannis on the other side, I feel like that's scary. And Giannis can get his due diligence. Uh, I feel like again, after game four, I was very confident that my Celtics six prediction was going to happen. Um, just because, you know, they were playing well. It seemed that way for a bit that Game 5 was going their Boston's way. Sadly, that's not the case. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Milwaukee closed it out. In Game 6, they're playing at home again. Um, and Boston, as he may said in his post-game presser, they gave up a going opportunity to win. Um, Robert Williams missed the last two games. Sure, it didn't matter for Game 5. Um, as I saw, the last I saw the update on, was Williams was questionable for game six. Uh, if he plays, I like Boston's chances a lot more than if he doesn't play. But nonetheless, I think Boston will win game six and it go back home for a game seven. Uh, Dalton, you have said Celtics and se- actually both of you guys said Celtics and seven from the beginning. So I will be wrong on my game prediction for Boston winning. Um, but Dawn, I mean, you saw the series going set from the beginning, and as the series lived up to the expectations that you had before it did, any other thoughts you have on the series as well? Uh, it's, it's tough, man. They're beating each other up. It's a physical series, and that's exactly what they want. The Bucks want to be physical. Uh, they want to they want to be able to, you know, punch you in the mouth without literally punching you in the mouth. The Celtics are one of the best defensive teams, if not the best defensive team in the league, again. Uh, I mean, you could tell that with both, um, with how they're playing and how they've been doing it the entire year. And um, this, man, I mean, this is a series for the ages, I think. Um, and I'm going to stick with my, my Celtics prediction. I can't remember what I said. I think it's in seven. Um, but, but um, yeah, man. Um, excited for it and you know um maybe maybe your Celtics can can win it Spence maybe they can 
Uh, we'll see though. The Bucks uh, team, and I'm not saying your team's not physical; they are. But in retrospect, um, it feels like you know it's gonna be another one of those years where. Seas make it back to the conference finals. Can they do it? Can they get past the Bucks? You know, Chris Middleton's Chris Middleton's not even playing, is he? No, he's still out. He won't play this. He's still out. He's still out. And man, I mean, it's Mm-mm-mm. I hope I hope your C's can pull it out, Spence. I really do. Appreciate it. Um, so Christian, you, you obviously, because your heat have advanced, you guys will play the winner of this series. Is there any team one way or another right now that you want to play more so than the other? Cause you think it'd be a easier matchup for Miami. Obviously it's not going to be easy. It's the conference finals. Uh, but is there any team that you're hoping prevails that Miami can face? The team that I want to, uh, I'll give you guys a hint of who, uh, want to play. Um, the team that's wearing green as one of their colors, I want them to win. Uh, you're hilarious. You're mm-hmm. hilarious. You have, you have, like, you say some high school musical memes and a lot of <laughs> You need to be quiet, my boy. I, I can make a joke every once in a while and be okay. You, you're, you're the funny man, all right? So you be quiet. Uh, I'm just joke. playing with you, man. Keep it I going. Know, I can make one joke, all right? You settle down. So anyway, um, I would personally want to face Boston. Um, I did predict Boston to win in seven, and I think we match up better against them than uh, Milwaukee. I I think anyway, Miami is not going to be favored in this series. Um, and I would 100% understand that. But I think Boston, like, to me, Marcus Smart has not played the smartest, uh, as his last name suggests. Um, he's had a lot of just bad plays, a turnover at the very end of the game. Spencer must have yelled at the TV. Uh, I, I can only imagine what Spencer's reaction was at that time. Um... Boston just, like, they haven't seen, like, they're still a good defensive team. They're not making Milwaukee destroy the place. Giannis went for 40. You, you, like, Giannis is one of those guys that you cannot stop. Like, there's not a ton of big man defenders that's like, yep, I'll put him against Giannis. They're just not. Um, Giannis gets in his head. He doesn't get his shots go through. Then he gets into himself, and he's not that good. But when Giannis is like, I'm just going to go out there and destroy, no matter if my shots make it in or not, that's when Giannis is at his best, and that's what he played yesterday. Um, he he was phenomenal in Game 5. And obviously, for my predictions, I want Boston to win, not just tomorrow night, but also um, – you know, Sunday when they do play in game seven, because I do have Boston in seven. I knew this was going to be a close series. This is a very good series. I think it's personally, it's the best 
Um, it's not just a blowout city. It's like, oh gosh, these two teams are really just hammering each other. This is physical. This is not one of these games that's like, yep, it's going to be an absolute blowout. So, you know, I got Boston to win this game. They need to steal this game at home uh, or away in Milwaukee as Milwaukee kind of just stole it under Boston's feet. Um, that, you know, gosh darn it. Uh, something just popped up on my phone. But uh, I still think Boston can pull it off. I want it, It'd be very interesting to see Spencer and myself on this podcast talking about the Celtics and Heat. Because I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, every time they say, like, even though I'm in my head, I'm going to be, you know, saying, like, Boston could actually win this series. I'm going to be a diehard Heat, like, I don't care. We're blowing out. We're winning in four. I'm going all out for that. Uh, and every time Spencer says something great about uh, their his team or he says something bad about my team, I'm just going to yell at him. I'm just going to well, It, it would be a complete fight. And especially because, you know, we've been podcasting for now two years. I mean, our first year podcasting, this matchup happened in the conference finals. We gave our thoughts, but we didn't exactly have this uh, – the podcast chemistry that we have now that we've been doing for yeah. so long. Absolutely. And now we just kind of be like, oh, your team's in there? Yeah. I hope Jason Tatum just misses every single shot. I hope Marcus Smart is the dumbest player on the court. Hope Al, Al Horford just hides away. Like, <laughs> I, I hope they're all scared. I hope they go to their mommies and daddies and just, hide, you know, protect me. Oh, and God. Jimmy Butler just run supreme, man. Jimmy Butler, bam, just go bam, bam on your butts. Yeah, yeah, we might need Dalton to take over his host duties per se, just to he may, he may, because obviously he doesn't have a dog in a fight because his dog is a little chihuahua, uh, the smallest, the smallest city in the NBA. So, anyway, um, that does it for NBA playoff talks. Uh, Again, it's been a fun playoffs. Uh, Game six coming up for the uh, those series we just talked about. Uh, Another thing before we close out. The NBA um, news and notes. Mike Brown, who is the he's currently an assistant coach with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, he previously, you know, coached uh, the Cavs from 05 to 2010, and again in 2013 and 14 um, for just one more year. He coached the Lakers in 2011-12. Um, then he also coached five games in 2012-2013. Uh, that was I remember that he was. You know, had the they won the division, made the conference semifinals with the Lakers, um, fired five games in. He has a, such a weird tenure because you know he made the finals in 07, um, you know conference finals in 09. He wins 60 games in 2010, uh, but they fired him. Dan Gilbert did you know last ditch effort to try to keep LeBron in Cleveland. Uh, it didn't really work out. I don't even know if keeping him would have made a difference one way or another. That's obviously a lot can go on. But he hasn't been a head coach since 2014. Um, he's been with Golden State since 2016. Uh, three-time, um, well, he's a three-time champion as an assistant coach because he, he was on the Spurs 03 staff, um, and then 2017 and 18 Warriors. So he's learned a lot from Steve Kerr, uh, working with Steph Curry. Obviously, he's worked with LeBron James. Now he's going to Sacramento, um, who's been one of the worst teams in the NBA for the last 20 years. Um, 
I don't even know if it's going to work out. I, in fact, I don't think it will work out just because of Sacramento, and they've developed no they, – they've uh, given no resource to basketball at all. And, you know, Mike Brown's had such a weird tenure as a coach. I think he's learned a lot. But I just think, you know, Sacramento, they're set to fail. Um, of course, they do have some bonus now. Um, but they had to get rid of Tyrese Halliburton to get there. Uh, I, I don't see it working out, but it's more of a – indictment on Sacramento than it is on Mike Brown. Hopefully I'm wrong. I'd love to see Sacramento make up playoffs because they're the one team that since I started watching the NBA in 2007-2008 season, I have yet to see the Kings make the playoffs. So I'd love for it to happen if possible. Uh, I just don't, you know, again, I just don't think it's going to work out. Um, that uh, I'm, this is a, That's the harshest I'll be with any you know coaching hire um, is that I don't think it's going to work out. And that's well, that's my opinion right now. Again, things can change. Hopefully, I am wrong. Um, that's where I stand today. Um, Dalton, your thoughts on Mike Brown being named the head coach for the Sacramento Kings? Uh, great move. Great move. Mike Brown to the Kings. And maybe he can bring some of that Golden State mantra with him. And uh, maybe they can build something, build something special. All right. Christian, your thoughts on the uh, – Sacramento Kings getting Mike Brown when the Warriors season comes to a close. Um, you know, it's big for them. Obviously, he's been, you know, a longtime assistant coach in the NBA with Washington, San Antonio, Indy. Um, head coach for the Lakers. That is going to be something that everyone talks about. Um, you know, he's going he's gonna to be fine, I feel like. Sacramento, it's just the toughest thing just because nobody wants to play there. Uh, even current players don't want to play there. Sacramento is pretty much like it's one of those where it's like if you want to start in the NBA, but you know you can't start in LA or start with like a be- a good team, you go to Sacramento and try to play. That's just what your that's what Sacramento is. It was the Cleveland Browns for a long time. Uh, baseball wise, it was Detroit. It was Baltimore, where it's like. Yeah, I'm going to, like, it is a bad team, but, hey, I get to get some playing time. Where if I go to Milwaukee, yeah, I could win, but I'm probably going to play, like, two games. So, it, it's tough for Mike Brown and Sacramento to try and make it work, but at the exact same time, I, I hope he does. You know, you don't want a coach to fail. You don't want anybody to fail in the world of sports, but it happens. Um, it, it's going to be a tough uphill battle for him and Sacramento try and get out of the uh, basement of the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, one other thing before we wrap the show, this is NBA news related, but, um, you know, it's been evident we live in the United States. And earlier today, it was announced that the USA will host the 2031 Men's Rugby World Cup and 2033 Women's Rugby World Cup. Uh, we have a good friend of ours, Ryan O'Neill, host of Ryan's Happy Hour. We've all been on that show a couple times each. Um, tune into that uh, podcast if you have it already. Great podcast, um, if I say so myself. He's been a very big rugby fan, especially of the New Zealand All Blacks. So uh, I know he was excited when I shared the news with him. I saw that. He was the first one I thought of. Um, but So rugby, um, hopefully the USA will be a lot better in nine years when that World Cup comes around and they can, you know, make some sort of noise. I get it. Who knows if they'll win it, but it's a big day uh, for rugby. 
that the U.S. at least rugby in America that the USA will be hosting the World Cup um, for those years that I just mentioned. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we wrap the show up? Nope, I'm good, man. Nah, pretty good. I mean, the uh, the NFL schedule has come out. Uh, that's something that, of course, we you know we didn't touch on, but not the biggest thing in the world. Of course, you know it's a schedule. Oh, uh, we finally know like who we're gonna play and everything. But we're just a tad bit closer to the beginning of the 2022-2023 NFL season. It man, it's only three months away. I just realized it's three months away until the preseason, and then you know four and a half for the actual NFL season. So we are right there. Many camps are on their way, and it's going to be a great time. Yeah. Um, anyway, this has been another episode of Out of Bounds. Hope you all enjoyed this. Uh, I'm Spencer Brown. I'm Dalton Bishop. And I'm Christian Ernst. So, again, thanks again for listening, and enjoy the rest of your day.